other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Thanks for starting your Monday with me. I am one of those people that still reads the good old-fashioned newspaper. And I was reading the Sunday New York Post, and I was looking at this front-page story and just made me shake my head because I think we have now reached peak wokeness. The headline on the front page of the New York Post, Cowardly Lion, Broadway Boots, White Sign Language Interpreters from Hit Show. Exit stage left while sign language interpreter Keith Wan, 53, claims in an explosive federal discrimination suit that he was forced off the Lion King because of his skin color. The nonprofit Theater Development Fund, which staffs Broadway shows with American Sign Language interpreters, decided it was no longer appropriate for white translators to represent black characters given the current social climate. Now, I'll be the first to admit that when it comes to allegations in lawsuits, you can't take what's in a lawsuit as gospel. But this does appear to be the policy of the Theater Development Fund. Now, I think it's great that they staff these Broadway shows with American Sign Language interpreters. I thought it was a little absurd once animated characters were no longer allowed to be voiced by characters of a different race. Obviously, The Simpsons made a lot about this with Hank Azaria playing Apu. Uh, Another animated series that I watched, Family Guy, the actor that played Cleveland or that voiced Cleveland Brown, he said he was no longer going to do that. I thought that was a lot of hogwash because that's what acting is. You play something other than what you are. Now, what we're talking about here is beyond crazy. The argument about people of color being denied the opportunity to play roles for their own race. Okay, I don't agree with it, but I can understand where you're coming from. This makes no sense. What we're actually saying is that we're not going to allow interpreters who are white to interpret the dialogue of black characters. Well, you know what? Lion King has a lot of characters in it that are animal. Uh, So did Cats. Does that mean we're not going to have any humans playing those characters or not even playing, interpreting those characters? This is absurd. This is pure, 100% unadulterated racism. There is no reason that if you're an effective sign language interpreter, you can't cause someone who's hearing impaired to enjoy the show just as much as someone who's black. If you happen to be white or if you happen to be Asian or you have to be a woman, whatever the case may be. This is lunacy, and I hope now that we're talking about this, and I hope now that the New York Post has called them out on this, they'll back off this insane policy. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here on 77 WABC. Thank you for starting your Monday morning with me. Hey, I've been following the results out of this U.S. Senate election in Nevada, and we were talking a little bit about this at the top of the show, kind of the post-mortem of the elections, and believe me, I'd prefer to concentrate on some things other than politics, but here's what's interesting. It was very, very close, but the Democrat 
Catherine Cortez Masto bested Adam Luxalt, it looks by about 6,000 votes, maybe even fewer than that. It's 48.8% to 48.1%. Now, some of the vote, you might ask, well, why did no one get 50%? Where did the rest of the vote go? Some of the vote went to none of these candidates, which did pretty well, got 1.2%. But a good portion of the vote went to Barry Lindemann. Who is Barry Lindemann? Barry Lindemann got 7,800 votes. He is the libertarian candidate. Considering Lindemann was more conservative than liberal and emphasized tax cuts and individual freedom and all sorts of things that conservatives tend to like, you have to assume that if they were given the opportunity, a big chunk of the libertarians that voted for Lindemann would have put Lexalt, the Republican, as their second choice. Lexalt could have won Nevada if they had ranked choice voting, but they don't. And now a Democrat is going to the Senate. And that shouldn't be the case. If Nevada had ranked choice voting and the people could have ranked Lindemann first and Luxalt second, the Republicans in all likelihood would be staring at U.S. Senate control and get to block a lot of Biden judges. So I've never really understood why so many conservatives seem dead set against ranked choice voting. But this is another example where the Republican would have been helped by it. It makes no sense to me. And look, we're looking at what's happening in Georgia now, where they're going to go through this costly runoff, costly not only for the taxpayers of the state of Georgia, but for the people that are going to be pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into that race. We could avoid all that if they had ranked choice voting in Georgia. So I really do hope that if you're a conservative and you have been wrongly opposed to ranked choice voting for some reason or another, take a look at what's happened in Nevada. And Nevada did vote to adopt some version of ranked choice voting this year. It's not what I would prefer. But take a look at what's happening in Nevada. Take a look at what's happening in Georgia. Forget about the slogans. Forget about just blindly following people on the radio or on TV. Do your own research. Do your own homework. And tell me how ranked choice voting would have hurt your candidate. Are you better off with the Democrat in control now? I suspect not. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. As we continue to do a post-mortem as to why the elections last week turned out the way that they did, it's been very interesting to me to watch what the Democrats in New York have been saying. I think even though uh, Hochul was reelected and they won all the statewide offices, I think it would be tough to argue if you look at what happened in the state legislative races and in the congressional races that this was a good year for Democrats in New York. Now, you have a whole cadre of activists and elected officials that are urging Governor Hochul to dump the Democratic chair, Jay Jacobs. Now, honestly, if they dump Jay Jacobs and replace him with someone just like Jay Jacobs, what would that do? You have others like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a bunch on the progressive end of things that says the reason Democrats did so poorly is because there were some Democrats that were parroting right-wing talking points in the press. And one of the people that has been pointed to most often is Eric Adams. Now, speaking of Eric Adams, he had a fascinating op-ed this weekend. And essentially what he said was, this is the headline, as Democrats celebrate averting election disaster, we can't ignore the voters we're losing. He writes, election day is over. And though Americans did not speak with one voice, working class voters sent a clear message. They're deeply concerned about the economy, 
crime and inflation. They're also increasingly looking for leadership that acknowledges their concerns and defends their interests regardless of party. Because for America's working class voters, elections aren't about their identity. They are about their survival. A majority of Americans are in a precarious economic position, many just one illness or job loss away from financial ruin. They will vote for candidates who acknowledge those problems, even if the solutions on offer are less than effective. Adams is 100% right. He says, despite an overall better than expected showing for Democrats on Tuesday, working people continued the long trend of voting more often for Republican candidates. We cannot ignore the continued erosion of their support while we celebrate avoiding electoral disaster. Adams is 100% right. While these Democrats nationally and even in New York are patting themselves on the back, for not getting slaughtered as badly as everyone thought, they are missing the forest through the trees. They are not seeing the voters, including in large swaths of certain ethnic constituencies that have traditionally voted Democrat, they are not seeing the voters that are abandoning them. And Mayor Adams is right. Unless the Democrats start focusing their issue on the economy, on crime, on inflation, on issues voters really care about instead of identity politics, you're going to see the losses the Democrats experienced last Tuesday look like tiddlywinks. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't touch that dial. On Friday mornings at 1 a.m., our first hour of the program is dedicated to Ask Frank Anything, where people can ask questions about anything they like. And caller Jacob called in with a question about something we do in a lot of our local features. This is what Jacob said. What would it take to get rid of that beat me up? So Jacob wants to get rid of Beam Me Up. Now, first of all, I think most of you know me well enough by now that if a whole bunch of people start asking me, asking for me to change something, that's the sure, surest way for me to continue it. I kind of go against the grain. If everybody hates something, I generally will stick with it. But unless, of course, that person is John Katsimatidis, as I said in my response. I'm keeping Beam Me Up. As I said when we launched Beam Me Up, to me, the greatest short-form communicator in the world was Jim Traffigan. Not only was he somebody that I happen to like, but his 60-second mini-speeches on the floor of the House of Representatives, I think, did so much to convey so much facts and entertainment, quite frankly, in only 60 seconds. And when he would finish with the patented beam me up that you're about to hear to me that was a signal that you've just been enlightened for 60 seconds now this goes about three minutes not 60 seconds but hopefully you'll achieve the same degree of enlightenment from these commentaries and i was heartened to get an email from a gentleman named mark over the weekend who wrote i was listening the other night as always and a caller requested you drop the beam me up he writes absolutely not it is awesome I actually thought it was Governor Greg Abbott, as it does sound like him. You know, that's something I never thought about. I I could see why people might think it sounds like him. I never really got that. But, no, it is in part a tribute to Jim Traficant. And even though Captain Kirk never said it on Star Trek, his character has been associated with that term so many times over the years that, in many ways, it's a tribute to that character and that classic TV program, Star Trek. So... 
for the time being, unless John Katsimatidis says otherwise, you will hear Jim Traffikant say, Beam me up! At the conclusion of almost all of these local commentaries. To be continued.